this week on Hope for the Broken. You know, the Bible has a lot to say on this issue of intimacy in marriage. And you know, as a whole, the church has been relatively silent on this issue. If the church doesn't talk about this, then the world's going to continue to perpetuate a false narrative. And so the church needs to reclaim it. Our enemy, Satan, has so twisted and so perverted this subject that we're embarrassed to talk about it. But we shouldn't be because it's God's idea. And we need to reclaim it for his glory. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we continue our series called Biblical Family in a Modern World. Here's our pastor, Chris Wigley, with part seven titled, Redeeming Intimacy. Well, today we're continuing our sermon series called A Biblical Family in a Modern World. We're looking at marriage and family the way in which God intended it to be, according to his word. And the Bible has a lot to say about it because it was God's idea. So far, we've talked about God's design for marriage. We've talked about building godly homes and not just building houses. We've talked about the differing roles of husband and of wife. We've talked about how to raise godly kids and money matters last week. This week, we turn to a message that I've entitled, Reclaiming Intimacy. We want to reclaim intimacy the way in which God has designed it. I mentioned last week that marriage gurus say that there's three main sources of conflict in a marriage relationship. Uh, They are parenting differences, they are money management issues, and the third is sexual intimacy. Those are the three biggest stressors. So here we are in this section of our teaching series, we're going to tackle these subjects as we seek to bring them under the lordship of Christ in our lives. And by the way, if you've missed any part of this teaching series, there's several different ways you can go back and watch or listen. You can go to our YouTube channel. If you search on YouTube, Trinity Baptist Church, Mount Pleasant, Texas, you'll see our logo pop up. You can click on there and catch up on any, uh, any messages uh, there. Or you can listen online, our website, trinitytx.org slash sermons. Or you, if you listen to podcasts, we have a podcast. Our podcast is called Hope for the Broken, and you can find it on any platform that you listen to, to podcasts, but you can get caught up there. This morning, we're going to go revisit a passage that kicked off our teaching series. So I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 18 through 25 of Genesis 2 here this morning. We're not going to uh, see it from the same lens that we did when we kicked off the series. We're going to see it from a different angle here as we learn four biblical views regarding intimacy in marriage. All right. Now, as you're turning there, I want to share with you a story. There was a man who was having some health issues, and so he went to go see his doctor about it. The doctor ran a bunch of tests, and all those tests came back, and the doctor comes out to the waiting room where the man and his wife were seated. The doctor said, you know, hey, I'd like to speak with you, ma'am, before we speak to your husband. And so he takes her back to the consult room, and he he begins to tell her, your husband is very ill. 
And there's a few things that, that you're going to have to make sure that you provide for him. She's got this puzzled look on her face and she's like, well, what, what is that? He said, well, you're going to have to cook him three warm meals every single day. You're going to have to give him two full body massages a week. And you're going to have to have intimate physical relations with him on a regular basis. Well, she was overwhelmed by this. So she comes back out into the, to the waiting room area and, and the husband sees the look on her face and he says, what did the doctor say? She turned to him and said, you're going to die. You know, the Bible has a lot to say on this issue of intimacy in marriage. And you know, as a whole, the church has been relatively silent on this issue. It's almost like when, when it comes to this issue, I don't know what it is. When it comes to this issue, it's, it's almost like we get embarrassed. And, and I'm telling you, I, I'm not looking forward to today. I, I saw it on the schedule. I'm like, oh, Lord, there could be other topics we can talk about today. But, but here's the conclusion I came to. If the church doesn't talk about this, then the world's going to continue to perpetuate a false narrative. And so the church needs to reclaim it. Hence the title of this morning's message, Reclaiming Intimacy God's Way. And I think what makes it awkward for us to address this subject, because even parents have a difficult time talking to their kids about this subject, right? Uh, If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And so what I think has happened is our enemy, Satan, has so twisted and so perverted this subject that we're embarrassed to talk about it. But we shouldn't be because it's God's idea. God created it, and we need to reclaim it for his glory. You know, marital intimacy actually works to our benefit in marriage. And that's the thing that I have come to learn. The more I study the Scriptures— the more I am reminded that God's way is for our benefit. God's way is for human flourishing. And so because God talks about it, we talk about it. And we desire to line our hearts and our thinking according to God's word. That's important in any subject matter, right? But especially in a subject matter in which our world has so perverted And so I want us to look together at Genesis chapter 2 as we look at four biblical views of intimacy in marriage. You follow along in your copy of God's words, beginning in verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now under the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all livestock and to all birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. In these verses is a beautiful theology 
of intimacy. And as we wrap our minds around this biblical understanding, I am confident that our marriages will be blessed. The first thing that I want to show in terms of a biblical view of marriage is that, number one, intimacy is not just physical. Intimacy cannot just be physical. Of course, that is an aspect of of that in a marriage relationship, but it is also deeply emotional, very spiritual even. But our culture often, we often mistake intimacy to mean sexual relationships. But in Genesis 2, there is intimacy before there is sex. In verse 18, Adam was alone. It was a deep-seated feeling within him. And that feeling of loneliness was only intensified through the process of naming the animals. Why would that have intensified his feeling of loneliness? Well, certainly in naming the animals, he would have noticed that every single animal had a mate. It had a helper with him. And and it would have reminded him of his isolated state and, and caused him to long for a companion of his own. And as a result, God performed the first surgery caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep, and he took a rib, and he fashioned Eve. And when God brought Eve to Adam, it was an intimate experience. It was an amazing experience for Adam. Again, verse 23 of Genesis 2, Adam says, this at last. Do you hear the longing in that response? Finally. Finally, there is a companion of my own that is only unto me. Do you hear the longing? And not just the longing, the fulfillment. Adam's longing for a deep and meaningful relationship had been fulfilled in even just the presentation of Eve. There's not a sexual relationship yet. And yet there's this deep satisfaction, this intimate experience. Do you know how to spell intimacy? I've heard it's once said that you spell intimacy into me, you see. That is intimacy. That is true intimacy. It, it, is, it is kneecap to kneecap exchanges. It is heart pipeline exchanges with one another. That is true intimacy. The, the problem becomes whenever we buy into culture's lie that intimacy is strictly physical. Here's how this plays out in marriage. If intimacy isn't happening with the regularity in which we expect or desire, well, then we think, well, because that's not happening, then we can't be intimate. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It is a pipeline from one heart to another. Into me you see. And Genesis chapter 2 also further proves this point because it says that the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. They were completely vulnerable. Bared before one another, fully known, yet fully loved. This, my friends, is intimacy and not a, not a single physical act had happened yet. Again, culture has hijacked us. And we buy into that lie when we assign intimacy to being physical. It can't be. And so the the first uh, point or the first view of biblical intimacy is that it's not just physical. But the second biblical view is that intimacy is for procreation. God designed the marriage relationship 
to be a family. He designed the sexual relationship to be the way in which children are brought into the world. Well, no kidding, Pastor Chris. I think we're past the elementary view here in this room, right? But I want, to, I want you to see the importance of that. Because in the garden, when, when God had created Adam and Eve, you know what? He gave them a command. Do you remember what the command was? Outside of just not eat of the tree? The command that he gave them was to be fruitful and multiply. To fill the earth and to subdue it. Marriage is designed to have a family. Marriage is designed to have kids. And the reason why I think it's important for us to understand this, especially when it comes to the subject of intimacy, is because there is an emerging secular ethic out there regarding kids. You know? I mean, there are, there are increasingly more couples that are desiring not to have children. But, but it's very biblical to do that. According to a study published by Pew Research, family size has been on the decline since 1970. Right? Fewer couples are choosing to have children. Now, there's many issues with that, I understand. Like, for example, there's fertility issues that are very real issues that, that I even know that couples are, are dealing with. But for me, it's the desire issue. The desire should be for a family. The desire should be for having children. It is God's desire for us to be fruitful and to multiply, to increase in number. This is what God had in mind when he created marital intimacy. And so it's important to view it that way. So intimacy is not just physical. It is for procreation. But thirdly, intimacy's purpose is to unify a couple, to bond them together. God designed the sexual relationship to be unifying. And while marital intimacy is not just physical, it is also physical. It also has to be. It's an important part. I want to show you that in our passage in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That last phrase, become one flesh, is the consummation of the marriage relationship. It is the physical coming together of a married couple. And in Matthew 19, Jesus quotes this very verse, but he adds something to it. And he says this. He says that the two are no longer two, but instead become one. In a marriage relationship, you're not two. You're one. And the exclusive sexual bond created in marriage is so unifying, the Bible teaches, that you're no longer two. You become one flesh. Now, I also believe that it is unifying in the fact that it protects, it safeguards your marriage. Physical intimacy safeguards your marriage. And the Bible tells us to place boundaries upon this. In verse 24, it says, A man shall leave his father and mother and do what? Hold fast to who? His wife. He's to hold fast. In other words, this level of intimacy is solely reserved for husband and wife. If this relationship was to be shared with others, there would be no unity that this experience seeks to achieve. The, the Bible warns us to protect the unity of our marriages by guarding intimacy. 
For example, Proverbs 5, 15 through 17 says this, Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, springs of water in the streets? No. Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. In other words, sexual intimacy is reserved within the context of marriage. Now, I'm convinced that most affairs that take place didn't start off that way intentionally. You know why? Because the road to the affair is first marked by a slippery slope. There's slippery slopes that cause you to, to find yourself in a very difficult situation. And so we have to protect our marriages. Intimacy serves as one of those protections. But I want to mention a few other ways that you can protect the unity of your marriage, guardrails that you need to put in your life. First, we must protect our hearts. We've got to protect our hearts. This means that we shield our mind, we shield our hearts from inappropriate thoughts. It means we keep a check on our emotions. Why is that important? Because thoughts lead to behaviors. Emotions become actions. And while we allow our thoughts to be for someone other than our spouse, danger is sure to follow. You gotta, you gotta protect your heart. 2 Corinthians 10:5 says this: to take every thought captive and to obey Christ. Proverbs 4:23 urges us: keep your heart with all vigilance, with everything you got. Why? For from it flows the streams of life. We guard our hearts, we guard our minds by keeping tabs on our thought life. Protect your thought life. Also, it's important to say here, you got to guard your emotions. Because you're, you can have an emotional affair, right? And so you got to guard your emotions here. So protect your heart. Number two, protect your eyes. Protect your eyes. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 28, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. We got to guard our eyes because it is the window to our thoughts. This means we got to guard the shows we watch. We got to guard the movies we see. We got to be protective of the websites we visit. Paul tells Timothy to flee sexual immorality. The term translated as sexual immorality is the Greek word pornea. Guess what English word we get from that word? Pornography. Even the mutual watching of that is sinful. And I believe that many marriages dissolve because of pornography, and you've got to get a handle on it. Now, let me just say something here. If you struggle with this, and statistically, we would say that the majority of people struggle with pornography, there is help, and there is healing, and we can point you in that direction. And if this is a problem for you, don't give up, because we can help you, and God can redeem it. You say, well, how do you know God can redeem it? Because I've seen it. I've seen it time and time and time again. We are to protect our hearts. We protect our eyes. Thirdly, you need to protect your mouth. Protect your mouth. How do we protect our marriage by protecting our mouth? Well, we got to be careful about what we allow ourselves to say to members of the opposite sex that is not 
our spouse. Let me give you an example. When wives talk about their husband's shortcomings with a man that is not her husband, that is inviting an inappropriate relationship. When a husband flirts with a woman that is not his wife, it invites an inappropriate relationship. Proverbs 21, 23 says this, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. That's good advice for many arenas of our life. But we are to avoid the slippery slope of an affair by protecting your heart, protecting your eyes, and protecting your mouth. Fourthly, a fourth guardrail is to protect your body. So we got our heart, our eyes, our mouths, now our bodies. What do I mean by protecting our bodies? Well, you need to establish a boundaries for when you encounter someone of the opposite gender. For example, I am never alone with a woman that is not my wife. Even in a counseling scenario, there's a window in my office door and there was always somebody else in the office. I never drive alone with a member of the opposite sex because that is inviting a relationship. You've got to place guardrails. You've got to place boundaries so as to protect this side of your life. Sexual intimacy creates unity in our marriage, but it is something that you must protect. The fourth view of biblical intimacy is that intimacy is intended for pleasure. God designed sex in the context of marriage to be pleasurable. The biblical view is that we enjoy one another. Did you know that? That's God's design. When Adam says, this is at last, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For those of you that are looking at your Bible, do you notice something different about those phrases? It's kind of set apart from the remainder of the paragraph. You guys notice that? That's because it's a poem. Adam, when he first sees his bride, you know what he does? He gets all kinds of romantic. He writes a poem. I mean, I don't know how good it is, but I mean, he writes a poem. We are to be romantic. We are to enjoy one another. But again, this enjoyment is in the context of the marriage covenant. Did you know there's an entire book of the Bible, Song of Solomon, that no preacher ever wants to preach a sermon out of? (laughs) You know why? Because it's explicit. It's about, it's a book, it's about people who fall in love with one another, get married, and enjoy the marriage relationship. That's what the whole book is about. I'd encourage you to read it with your spouse. It's the best romance novel ever written, right? I want to read you a couple of excerpts from from that book to prove my point that intimacy is for pleasure. What has happened here, in the, let me set the stage for what I'm about to read. What has happened is a, a wedding has taken place and here the couple is, they're describing one another. All right, I want you to re- hear how the wife describes her husband. This is in chapter five of Song of Solomon, verses 10 through 16. She says, my beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among 10,000. 
His head is the finest gold. His locks are wavy, black as a raven. I'm I'm thinking this lady married Fabio back in the day. I don't know. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water, bathed in milk, sitting beside a full pool. His cheeks, cheeks or cheeks, I don't know. His cheeks are like beds of spices, mounds of sweet-smelling herbs. That's strange. His lips are lilies dripping with liquid myrrh. He has a drooling problem, okay? His arms are rods of gold set with jewels. His body is polished ivory, but decked with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns set on bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice is the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. And get this, ladies, she says of her man, he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. You hear how this lady is into her man? Ladies, be into your man. Now, I know some of us, we used to have legs of alabaster columns. (laughs) And maybe our abs have turned to flabs. But, But here's the deal. Listen, ladies, if your man's abs have turned to flabs, guess what? You're into flabs. The point is be into your man. Enjoy him. Now let's look at how the husband chimes in. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O noble daughter. Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a master's hand. Your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. A little strange. Your belly is a heap of wheat and circles with lilies. Lost me. Your two breasts are like two fawns. Okay, I'm back in. Okay, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are pools of Heshbon by the gate of Beth Rabin. Your nose is like a tower of Lebanon which looks towards Damascus. Not sure I'd use that one, fellas. Your head crowns you like caramel and your flowing locks are like purple. A king is held captive in the tresses. I understand that you and I might use different language, but here's what the Bible teaches us. Be in to your spouse. Enjoy one another. It's God's design. He created it to be that way. And by the way, guys, if you want to know what type you are, like if your wife has blonde hair, you're into blondes, okay? And if she changes it next week, then you're into whatever color she changes it into next week, right? The point is be into one another. The Bible encourages us to do that. Intimacy is for the purpose of pleasure. Now, one of the things that I want to point out here is that context is everything. Marital intimacy is best experienced within the confines of a marriage covenant. You know, in, at our house, one of the things that we like to do from time to time is collect all of the fallen limbs, which there's been a ton of those lately, and we put them in our fire pit, and we light a fire, and we have s'mores from time to time. Now, can you imagine if we took that fire pit and we moved it into our living room? 
That'd be dangerous, right? Fire is a great thing in its rightful place. And I think that that's what God is trying to instruct us in. You want to experience the best level of intimacy, you experience it within the confines of a marriage covenant. All right? And so fire is great, but fire can burn you. While it might seem enjoyable to, to venture out of your marriage, while it might seem enjoyable, students, to engage in this kind of intimacy, it will burn you. It will drive a wedge between you and your, your spouse. Intimacy isn't just physical. It is for procreation. It is unifying. And God intended it to be pleasurable. When we get a hold of this view of intimacy, I believe our marriages will be blessed. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.